They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in episode number 98, Train and Gross, B-Train, Bertrand Barry, Mike Gross, and Sean Crespin. You probably saw Sean Crespin on national TV this weekend. He was uh, courtside at the Arizona-Arizona State game, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, However, episode number 98, B-Train, and uh, I had to dig. Uh, As we go up, you know, it's... uh, some of the numbers are few and far between in terms of those uh, high-profile type players. But uh, how you feel about Jesse Armstead? Jesse Armstead was a linebacker for the New York football giants as well as, uh, I believe, the team out there in Washington. I think he finished out there. And the great story about Jesse Armstead is Jesse Armstead was a native Texan and played for uh, a team, you know, out in Dallas that actually beat – the team in Odessa from the book Friday Night Lights that he went to Dallas Carter, the the team that actually beat Odessa Permian in that Mm -hmm. book, because a lot of people think that that team that that was in the book won state. They did not win state that year. They lost in the semifinals to um, uh, to Dallas Carter. And that team, Mike, was one of the most unbelievable high school teams I've ever seen. They had 22 seniors get D1 scholarships. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about the Friday Night Lights, um, you know, um, they got their own ESPN 30 for 30. Carter High did, you know, so obviously everybody knows the Friday Night Lights story, but but Carter High got their, their 30 for 30 as part of that deal. Absolutely. And they were an unbelievable team. I mean, the talent on that team, Mike, there, there's so many different names, but Jesse Armstead is definitely one that made the most of his opportunities. Of course, there was a some unfortunate situations after that game and, and some of those guys weren't able to make it to the next level, but uh, it was, it was impressive to watch that team operate on the field yeah. because there was talent everywhere. You looked. You, there, there wasn't a play where you didn't see something that just made you say, my gosh, that's crazy. Hey, um, a lot of time before we get into the, the real, the real meat of the story here, the, you know, the, the topics that we're going to get into lots of NFL, NBA, college basketball. I saw something and, and you know how it is. You're on the internet, whatever you're going through some stuff. And this one just caught my eye. Um, you know, we talk a lot about guys when they're done playing and, and where they end up and what they're doing. Kenny Anderson, former uh, NBA great played a year at Georgia tech. And I think when you think about Kenny Anderson B train, you know, you grow up a playground legend in New York city. I mean, he's doing stuff that hadn't been done there since Lou Alcindor did it. Uh, mm. And then you get drafted after one year at uh, Georgia tech and you go right back to New York city playing for the nets. When he started out his career, that had to be, uh, you know, from a degree of difficulty standpoint with all, all, all that goes with that going back home, getting all that money and having people around prob- probably, Probably was a challenge for him. But like I said, it, it's just cool. Like, you know, it, the Athletic did a story on him. Kenny Anderson is a head basketball coach at HBCU. Not getting the accolades maybe that Dion got when he did his thing, but giving back and, and like I said, finding some peace for himself, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's a great story. Kind of reminds me too of uh, Delonte West, a guy that fell on some hard times, and and he's trying to get his life back together. Hope he's able to yeah. to do that. Uh, hadn't really heard any uh, real updates on him, but you just hate to see guys that had so much going for them in the right direction, and then things you know, go with a different twist. And um, you just hope that uh, that Delonte can get his life together, just like Kenny Anderson was able to. Yeah. No, absolutely. Hey, B-Train, you know, you and I have done radio shows together. We've done podcasts. And this mm -hmm. is the time of year that I ask you the same question, no matter where we are, what we're doing, because I know how you feel about it. you got strong feelings. But the NFL, the offseason, all that goes with it, it's franchise tag time in the NFL. And mm -hmm. uh, everybody's like, well, look at that. They're going to be played among the highest players at their position. That's a great thing. They should be happy. Shows their team loves them. That's right. That's a, that's what it is, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, the team betting against you and, and trying to hold out one more year of service for under market value. And, yes, the franchise tag, it in some situations, it can be a good thing. And you saw with Kirk Cousins, he was able to parlay his two franchise tags into a big, uh, big contract with the Minnesota Vikings. But it doesn't always work out like that for most. Um, Kirk Cousins was a quarterback. And for most non-quarterbacks, uh, it's really not the ideal situation that you want. And, and you know, we've talked about this at length with Lamar Jackson. Will he be a guy that's going to be franchised? And, Mike, it's, it, it's like a backhanded compliment. We know you're good enough mm -hmm. to get a long-term deal, but we're just going to make you wait one more year. We're going we're gonna to make you earn it one more year. And it was collectively bargained. I wish somehow, some way that the – player union can uh, figure out a way to get that uh, thrown out. But in the meantime, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I look at it and, and it's, it's one of those contentious type deals where you, you feel like it should be an honor, but you know, deep down, it's really not. Uh, the first player this off season to be tagged is Deron Payne, the defensive tackle over at Washington you know, where he, uh, you know, already career earnings be trained uh, over $35 million. And, you know, if the tag sticks, if they're not able to get a deal done within the allotted time frame as a defensive tackle, he'll make $19 million this year on that tag. But, you know, here's the thing, and, and we talk about this, and, and I like the way you always put it, that the team's actually betting against you so they don't have to give you that long-term money. You know, here's the thing with a guy like Durant Payne, like a, a little bit older, Right. And playing in a position, man, you know, you know, I don't need to tell you you're in, in the trenches there. You know, it, it's it's hand to hand combat. Right. And, you know, every every play could be your last play. And to be playing that on a one year deal like that, that's a That's a huge risk for the player. Definitely a huge risk, Mike. And, and for all of those players out there that are forced to have to play under the franchise tag, you just hope they are able to get through the season completely healthy make some plays and force those teams to have to take care of you from a financial standpoint. Mike is also the beginning of the scouting combine this week. So, you know, there's a lot going on as far as the NFL is concerned. So there's a lot of moving and shaking done around the NFL and, and you know, the comb, you know, I have strong feelings about that as well, but uh, it, it, it's a, it's a busy time for the NFL, even though there aren't games being played, they still find a way to stay relevant. And, you know, in the media uh, circle, uh, even when they're not in season, uh, they, they've done a, 
great job of promoting themselves. And uh, this is just the machine continuing to roll along. Hey, B-Train, speaking of the offseason, we'll get into the combine probably next week after some news breaks out of there. We've got some stories. Um, but Lamar Jackson, like th- mm. this story I can't figure out. We've been on this, you know, since the you know, beginning of last season with his contract situation. Where is Lamar Jackson going to play this year? Where, where, where is he going to play? Because I don't understand what Baltimore is doing with this guy. It makes no sense to me. They're playing hardball with him because Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract. The Baltimore Ravens are a team that is very principled in their nature. They, they've, they've been a very good franchise for players to play at, but they're also very principled. They just happen to run into a, a young man who is as principled as they are, and he's not budging. And he knows that the Deshaun Watson contract should be the norm for the quarterbacks, and the Baltimore Ravens are – basically holding the line for the rest of the NFL because I'm sure there's 30 other owners that are like, don't do it because if you do it, we got to do it. And the Cleveland Browns have already put themselves out there you know, with Deshaun Watson's contract, but there's a lot of interested people uh, on both sides. There's a lot of players, a lot of quarterbacks, and there's a lot of owners and general managers that are paying close attention to what goes on with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. My personal opinion I think he plays in Atlanta next year, Mike. I think this does not get resolved in Baltimore. I think there's going to be feelings that are uh, irreparable. And I think that for Lamar, he's done everything that you could ask a young man to do. He's been MVP of the league. He's never been in trouble. He's gone about the business of of putting this team on his back. And, and yes, he's had some injuries the last two years, but he's been injured doing more than what's required at the quarterback position. So uh, if the Baltimore Ravens don't take care of business and they put that non-exclusive tag on him, I really see him playing for the Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, just released Marcus Mariota today. Yeah, exactly right. And, and you know, going back to this Lamar Jackson situation and you look at it, you know, and, and you know, his camp is disputing that he ever asked for fully guaranteed money, whether he did or he didn't. They're, they're saying that the the number the guaranteed number that the Ravens offered was 133 million dollars, which is a full an 97 million dollars less than 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 uh, than uh, uh, the Watson got the Browns. Brown, yeah, exactly. You look at Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Clearly, he's better than a couple of guys on that list. All those guys are in the 165 guaranteed range. So you're lowballing him out of that group as well. You can understand to your point about how, you know, at some point it be, you, you know, you you do take that personally because that's they're saying here's what we think you're worth to us. And when you're saying you're not worth as much as Josh Allen, you're not much worth as much as Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, for goodness sakes, what he did this year, you can understand where Lamar Jackson's going to have feelings about that. Um, but if, if they do dissolve that marriage and he does end up in Atlanta or someplace else, I, I think the Ravens go back. They will regret that decision. I, I think, you know, to me, you know, if I'm a Ravens fan, you, you want that to get figured out. You want, you want Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. For I just don't understand it. Mike, with so many teams in desperate need of a quarterback, to have a franchise quarterback and an MVP in your in your locker room already and playing hardball with him. Mike, think about those guys that you had on that list. 
of all those guys, how many of them have an MVP to their credit? Mahomes, Rodgers, that's it. That's it. That's the list. So all those guys that have guaranteed money, the Kyler Murrays and everybody else, the, the Russell Wilsons, none of those guys yeah. have been league MVP. That's what Lamar Jackson was, and he was league MVP, I believe, at 23 years old. So this guy is still younger than most quarterbacks, and you're going to let him walk out of the door with a lot of football left uh, you know, in his body? I mean, yes, he's had those injuries, and, and those are a concern, but when you start looking at the value of a Lamar Jackson and what he's meant not only to that organization but that community in Maryland – I just don't understand why you would play hardball with him. And most great quarterbacks, Mike, never get to that franchise uh, tag or that fifth year where they're having to play out uh, the rookie contract. If you've shown that you can be that good that early, you don't ne- you don't make it to your fifth year of your contract. You usually yeah. take care of that guy in the third year or the fourth year and make sure that you're not having to pay the, the ultimate premium price, which – now is what the Baltimore Ravens are going to be looking at, at you know, right in the face because he's and not it, going to accept a penny less than market value. Yeah, and the other thing we talk about the Ravens be trained is, is they didn't get many, you know, look at the wide receivers out there that they didn't get for him. Like, he, it's not like he's running out with, with you know, world-class wide receivers. I mean, he's got Mark Andrews, who's I, I would say is above average tight end in the National Football mm-hmm. League. But his wide receivers, I, I'm sorry, like, you know, he's putting up these numbers and producing the way he's producing without elite wide receivers. Mike, he needs help. And when you start looking at this division, this division, it just continues to get better. You see Cincinnati is going going to be there for a while. You know, Pittsburgh is going to figure it out. The only way you can really look at is Cleveland and, and they're looking at that, that contract. And I think maybe there was a little gamesmanship by them doing that, knowing that Lamar was going to be up. Uh, and maybe that was a way to get Lamar out of the division. Who knows? But it just seems as if what Baltimore is doing is basically saying we would rather lose than pay our franchise quarterback what he's worth and what the going market value is, and we're 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 just going to stick with it. We don't care. Man, making a point. Uh, I don't honestly. I don't understand. Speaking of quarterbacks, no. B train. Um, Kyler Murray will be out for some period of time before, you know, he's able to come back from his torn ACL. The free agent list is out there for quarterbacks. You mentioned one guy that was released, Marcus Mariota. Who, who if, if, you're, if you're the general manager, if you're giving advice to the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, who, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback when the season starts in place of Kyler Murray while we wait for him to get help, healthy? Man, I, I don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot of retreads out there, Mike. A lot of guys that I don't like. Uh, Carson Wentz got released here uh, just recently as well. I don't feel good about bringing him into the mix as far as uh, a quarterback that's a stopgap because he hasn't proven to be a competent quarterback. I think he's destined for the XFL. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, Marcus Mariota, do, do you feel great about him? No. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's looking to, you know, land somewhere else. The, 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 the pickings are slim. And now you have to say, well, do you go back to Colt McCoy? Do you figure out what, what's what's out there? I, I don't know. Do you draft a quarterback in a later round? It, 
there, there's a lot of questions that need to be figured out, Mike. And, and I don't envy this, this, this regime because they're going to have to figure this out on the fly without your franchise yeah. quarterback at your service for the first couple months and trying to establish a new way of doing things here with the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I was looking at the list and I, I'm far from an expert, but one name that intrigues me on the list you know, because you look at the top flight guys that are out there. Derek Carr is not coming here, right? Like, we know what's not going to happen. So you look at that no. kind of, and I hate to use it this way, that next level of quarterback, the guys that would make mm-hmm. a good fit uh, to come in here. And the guy that, that caught my eye and intrigued me for a number of reasons is Jacoby Brissett. You know, you look at him uh, and his familiarity with the offensive staff here now, and we'll get into the coaches in a minute, um, and a guy that, that you know, I, I – to me, the way he plays, um, you know, I, I don't know. Jacoby Prissett is an interesting, uh, an interesting name. One that I personally I would keep an eye on. He could beat out Colt McCoy. He's better than Colt McCoy right now, and you know, um, you know, coming in and and you give him an opportunity to say, hey, look, you come in here, you're going to get five, six, seven games on tape, whatever. Um, it could be a win-win type situation for a guy like Jacoby Prissett. Mike, it could be, but if you're Jacoby Brissett, you've got to be tired of the label stopgap quarterback. I mean, how many teams have you played that role in? I can think of three right off the top of the head that he's been a stopgap waiting for the next quarterback to come in and take his spot. And I I think people have to put a little bit more respect on Jacoby's name. Yes, he's not a top-flight quarterback. He's not a top-ten quarterback. But I don't think he's a guy that you just keep looking at to hold down the fort until somebody else is ready to go. I, I think for him, he, he's he's done some things. Uh, he would make a lot of sense if he's willing to do it. But if I'm in his shoes, my mentality is, wait a minute, there's a lot of guys that are in the NFL that are employed right now that don't have half the resume I have. And for me to no, have to settle for a stopgap quarterback, I, I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that right now. And that, that's a very fair point. Um you know, and that's he's that would be coming from out of the figurative fire into the frying pan because that's what he did last year. You know, we bought him in to, to hold it down. You know, for for Deshaun Watson, and and if that's the case here, that that's a fair point. Um, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, and certainly a big question for the Arizona Cardinals when you look at their front office. They'll be without a very familiar name, a guy that you played with, a guy that you watched grow up in this league. Um, and uh, then he transitioned from player to scout and into interim general manager. And Adrian Wilson, all of a sudden, when the 2023 begin, season begins, he will no longer be part of the Arizona Cardinals. Mike, it's going to be weird. Mike, he has pretty much had his whole career here with the Arizona Cardinals. And, yeah, we know he was uh, with, I believe, New England and Chicago briefly, but those things didn't work out. He is a Cardinal, and he has – his whole professional adult life been associated with the Arizona Cardinals in some capacity. And for him to uh, request to go somewhere else, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a sad day. It was a business decision that was made by, by Mike Bidwill. And he felt that, you know, Mr. Austin Ford is, was a better choice for general manager, but there was no way he was going to be able to stay knowing that he got overlooked being that he was a long time, Cardinal guy that was in the ring of honor and still didn't uh, meet the satisfaction of, of Mike to, to take that job. I think it was a good choice for him to, to move on, go somewhere else, get a fresh start. And what better place to go than back home in North Carolina, where he's originally from. 
hundred percent. Go back where he's a he's a wolf, you know, wolf pack, North Carolina State, back in back in his uh, state of North Carolina. And the other thing too, and 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 you know this, a lot lot happens behind closed doors that the public never sees. But you know, if it was going to end, you know, Adrian Wilson, like you know, and I, I've met him once when when he was <laughs> very very young in his career. Um, but the statement he put out when when uh, when it was announced that he was uh, moving on, such a classy gesture by Adrian Wilson. You know, he could have just said, "Hey, look, hey, deuces, I'm out." But you know, like I said, it was a, a really classy statement that he put out uh, as he uh, as he made the transition from Arizona to Carolina. Mike, just think about the success that Arizona has had with the Cardinals, or the Cardinals have had here in Arizona. He's been a part of all of it. He was a part of it as a player. He was a teammate of mine when we went to the Super Bowl, when we had back division championships. He was in the front office when in 2015 when they made the run to the NFC Championship game, uh, when they were able to make playoff appearances, you know, with Bruce Arians. And so uh, then, uh, again, when you, you saw Cliff Kingsbury and, and company make the playoffs a few years back, it, it, he's been there for all of the success. Uh, he wasn't here, fortunately, for all of the, the lean years. He had a few lean years back in 2001 and 2000, 2001 to like 2006, seven. But he was yep. also here for a lot of the success. So uh, you have to associate Adrian Wilson with uh, the better days of the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I think for that, fans will always look at him in in, in uh in, in great respect and in awe and, and, you know, they'll look at him as one of the all time greats to put on a uniform here in Arizona. Yeah, no, no question. And, and even when he was in the front office, you saw him on the field. You remember back that, that Green Bay Packers game where Larry had those two catches. The first person that hit him in the end zone wasn't a, it was Adrian, Adrian Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, He's yeah, intense. So. He's intense, Mike. Third, third round draft pick, number 64 pick overall from North Carolina State. Um, but that's the year they took uh, Leonard Davis uh, mm. in the their first pick. Speaking of Texas guys. Yeah. Um, all right, B-Train, your assessment, Arizona Cardinals starting to round out that coaching staff. And I know you've got uh, a personal connection to one of the new members. Archer Denson, uh, you know, offense coach for uh you know the arizona cardinals he's a former teammate of mine at the university of notre dame so i'm extremely happy that he's gotten this opportunity mike he's one of the best guys that i know and i know that he's going to bring a lot of wisdom he's going to bring a lot of experience uh, to that coaching staff and I, i'm looking forward to seeing what he does and i can't wait to hug his neck uh, you know there's another uh, university of notre dame alum that's here in the valley that has kind of done some things you know and, and and Monty Williams. And so, you know, I brag on him and I'm going to brag on, uh, you know, all of my guys. And, and for Autry to, to get this opportunity, I know he's over the moon. And I'm going to make sure personally that I do everything that I can to make his transition as seamless as possible. Because anytime we bring a little bit of the Golden Dome to the desert, uh, that's a good thing. That's what we need. We need more Notre Dame stuff here in the Valley of the Sun. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You, cheer, you cheer. Know how I feel about cheer, that. cheer, Mike. Yeah, cheer, <laughs> cheer, Mike. <laughs> cheer, cheer. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Was he? And you got to keep me honest here. 
Was he was he playing at Notre Dame the same time that Damian Anderson was at Northwestern? Weren't they like one and two, or weren't they in the Heisman Trophy race together one year? Like, I, I, I mean, obviously, you know what? He may have been. Yeah. Well, now you're thinking of Darnell Archery, who was the running back at uh, Northwestern. Maybe that's it. But uh, I think Damian Damian was right behind him. He he was right behind him, and and see, Archery was two years younger than me, so. He may have been there okay. his senior year that 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 year that Damian had that breakout season at, at Northwestern, but Darnell Autry was the one in '95 That's with uh, yeah. Fitzgerald and all those guys that they were able to make the run. So um, you know, there it's, you it's a small world. You know, Chicago and, and and South Bend not too far apart. Keep keep me honest there. Keep keep me honest. But coming up from uh, Charleston Southern, where. Look, you know, when you get into those smaller uh, settings, right, a 1AA school or B, B, whatever they call it, C, whatever, bowl championship, um, yep. you, you learn to appreciate things and you, you take on a bigger roles uh, as in, in those smaller schools, which prepares you for these big jumps, right, for, to, to get you ready for the jump, you know, back to the NFL. Well, for Autry, he, he's come from big-time programs, and, and he knows what the spotlight is all about. Uh, he oh, yeah. played professionally with the Miami Dolphins. So he, he's familiar with the NFL. This isn't something that's brand new for him. And, and being a head coach, Mike, he's had the responsibilities. He's had the maturity to to lead young men, and I think he's going to fit very well into this, this offensive uh, group. And, and this coaching staff, and I think that, that the, the running backs will, will be better for it. Uh, whatever uh, role that he plays, however big or small, I know that he's going to definitely have an impact on the field as well as off the field. So in addition to, to that, you know, uh, you know, coming in as a running backs coach, the staff is starting to take shape. Um, you know, Drew Petzig is the offensive coordinator, of course, coming over from Cleveland. Uh, Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator. Um, this is a really, really young staff when you look at it. Um, and look, I'm just talking age-wise, you know, because here's the thing. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's been in the NFL in various capacities as the head coach now for the Cardinals. But he's been in, in 15 years of NFL experience. You know, so the comparison, it kind of bothers me a little bit. And I'm not defending this staff. They're going to have to do it on their own. But the comparison to, to Jonathan Gannon and Cliff Kingsbury, I think, are kind of off base. Because when Cliff Kingsbury walked in the front door of the Arizona Cardinals, that was really his first NFL experience. You know, Jonathan Gannon's grown up. Uh, he's, you know, he started at the bottom, you know, interning and, and, and what, what's that? Uh, quality control coaches and things like that where you, you know, you have to work all your way up. I, I don't know if that's going to mean wins and losses here or not, but it's not the same resume as Cliff Kingsbury had. No, Mike, it, it is a two totally different experiences. And, and for Coach Gannon, he, he came in from a Super Bowl team that, that, that was uh, just short of, of winning a, a world championship. Cliff Kingsbury came from basically the, the trash heap, if you will, and, and just got fired from his alma mater and was taking a job at Southern Cal. So, uh, they they come in with much different credentials. They come in with much different momentum. And I think for Coach Gannon, I think he has a great understanding of how the NFL works. And I just think he's going to be a little more Sean McVay than Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that, uh, like I said, I heard people talking about that. I said, you, I don't know if he's going to be good or not, but you couldn't be more wrong in the comparison. Um, and again, interesting the way he's building the staff out. You know, they're keeping some people on the staff, which I think is interesting. You know, they didn't come in and completely blow it out. Uh, I heard uh, our friend Ron Wolfley uh, on on the air this week, and and he was uh, interviewing um, the uh, the special team Jeff Rogers, the special teams co- coach. Like, and he's like, man, these guys are walking in. It's the first time I'm meeting some of these guys. You know, so he's kind of putting the staff together on the fly. You know, Jeff Rogers has been around for a while. He he said, well, I can help him understand that, you know, you don't schedule outdoor practices in Arizona at noon, things like that, but we'll figure it out. Like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing takes shape. And um, let's say nowhere to go but up uh, for this Arizona Cardinals team. Mike, the one thing I'll just say before we move on is when you are a quality coach, it doesn't matter if you were with a previous regime or not. Sometimes you can stick around because you took care of your business. You can't necessarily put everybody in, and group everybody in the same category. Sometimes you have to look at individual performances. And if this particular coach was able to help the team get better, then there's really no reason to blow him out just because you're taking out the majority of the, the previous coaching staff. Uh, that's good for, for Coach Rogers, and, and hopefully he can continue to keep doing what he's been doing and, and uh, hope it works out for him. Like you said, B-Train, the, uh, the NFL uh, doesn't really have an offseason. They're playing games. They're not playing games, but it's a, it's a year-round proposition, and we'll keep talking about it in an upcoming edition of Train and Gross. But on the other side, we're going to get into the NBA. We're about ready to have the uh, Kevin Durant de- debut uh, for the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns. We'll get into that and more next on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Now that I heard. Welcome back in Train and Gross. B-Train, everybody who's getting tuned in to NBA on Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Phoenix time. You got the Bucks, you got the Suns, and you got no Giannis and you got no Kevin Durant. Still had a pretty good game on Sunday mm. uh, as the Suns fall. Close game in Milwaukee. Maybe that's a preview of the NBA Finals, a, a do-over from a couple of years ago. Um, and I heard this on the radio. Uh, I can't remember who to give it credit to, but you're watching this game play out, and it was a really good game, I thought. And, but at the same time, you're trying to say, huh, what would it be like if Kevin Durant was on the court right now? What would it be like if Giannis was on the court right now? And just trying to project that out in terms of, you know, what, what it would have meant. Or like I said, if, if we ultimately do get some sort of a rematch of these two teams uh, come uh, early June. Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Kevin Durant in the Phoenix Suns uniform. I know that there is a lot of uh, anticipation for him to come. And, and I know a lot of people still feel some kind of way with the trade and giving away some of the young talent. Uh, I I thought this was a great move by the Phoenix Suns. It's a win-now move. Mm -hmm. And you saw the new regime really wanting to put their stamp on this team right away. And the fact that they were able to get this done soon after he was able to take over the ownership uh, of the Suns, it just shows that this is a new look, is a new day for the Phoenix Suns. And not that there weren't already championship aspirations, but when you bring a Kevin Durant into the mix, there is absolutely no doubt that championships is the expectations to have the best record like they did last year. That's a good story, but nobody was going to 
be disheartened if they didn't win the, the NBA finals. This year, you bring in a Kevin Durant. Now there's a certain uh, lift in spirits. There's a certain lift in expectations, Mike. And what he brings to the table, even though he's a little bit uh, longer in the tooth than most young stars, I still think that Kevin Durant with a Chris Paul and a Devin Booker and, and uh, DeAndre Ayton, I think that that's enough to get them over the hump and, and really represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals this year. So you look at that trade that brought Kevin Durant here, and obviously we know what that means here and what it means in terms of expectations. Can, can you be happy on both sides of a trade as a fan? Like you look at it and say, uh, you're, 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 as a Suns fan, you're, you're so happy, obviously, that you got Kevin Durant. But, you know, you lose two really, really good guys, fan favorites, really, to, yeah. uh, to, to New Jersey. And then, uh, you know, Sunday, it's you got to see Jay Crowder, you know. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I know people feel a certain way about how it ended with Jay Crowder here. But think about back when they were making that run to the – when they played the Bucks. Jay Crowder, he was a key part of that. Like, he, he was in there. He was doing that dirty work. Um, I don't know. I, I know it sounds like wishy-washy, but can you be happy – for, for all parties included in a trade like that? Yes, you can, Mike. And I know from Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, I know that they get the fresh start out in Brooklyn. And as you said, you know, everybody I feel, I felt won in this situation. Jay Crowder won going to a great situation out there in Milwaukee to play with those guys. Uh, he's going to be a glue guy for them like he was here. And mm-hmm. I, I think to have a Kevin Durant here – it, it makes it easier when they're not still in conference. Like, had they been traded to a, a, a another Western Conference team, maybe you don't feel yeah. quite as, uh, you know, okay with it. But the fact that you don't have to go through them in order to get to where you're trying to go, I think it makes it a little bit easier to swallow. And I think for uh, Mikhail Bridges and, and Cam Johnson, uh, they, they were guys that they, they brought it every night. Uh, for a Jay Crowder, he's a guy that brought it every night. Uh, the, the, the way the, the reason that they're not here is not because they couldn't play or that they were being run out. It was just a better situation for all parties involved. I think all three teams walk away feeling really good about this transaction. You know, and, and, and to your point, you know, fresh start for for Bridges and Johnson in New Jersey, and they're they're averaging twenty two and a half and sixteen points per game, respectively. Look, they were never going to do that here. That wasn't their role. That wasn't they were asked to do. Situation's totally different. The expectations are completely different. And now they're able to do and, and play the way they're playing uh, with, with the Nets. And look, you know, the East, we talked about it. We'll get into it again in a minute. You know, it's top-heavy with the top three. But Brooklyn's in the playoff mix. Like, they're, they're in this conversation, and, and those two guys are a big part of it. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you you like to see. We we mentioned it earlier. Good things happen to good people, and I know there were people that were sad. Literally, you know, people crying when when they lost those guys, and I understand that. But you know, I think the the end result is is uh, is a win 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 all the way around. Uh, looking at those standings, B Train, we got about twenty games, give or take, uh, depending on what your favorite team's at. We'll start over in the East, and you know. I think we, we were landed right where we landed before, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. That's the standings right now. And I think when you look at it, a toss-up, I guess, between Boston and Milwaukee in terms of who the best team is in the East. Milwaukee's just on a ridiculous run right now, even without Giannis. 
what is it, 14, 15 games in a row. They've won something like that, including the win over the Suns on Sunday morning from Milwaukee. Um, you know, and, and you play basketball like this, you're in no rush to get your superstar back because you're winning without him. Yeah, well, I, I think to some degree you want him to be 100% healthy and rested going into the postseason. So you always want to have your superstar with you. But I think having Chris Middleton back for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that's a big factor for that particular team. I look at the Boston Celtics. Mike, they've been the best team from start to finish in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. They started off hot. They started off the number one seed. They've continued to have the best record in the entire uh, conference. Uh, they just gave uh, Missoula a, a contract extension. So he is their coach now for the foreseeable future. They feel very good about their situation. And Brad Stevens seems to be just as good or even better in the front office as he was as a coach. And, and yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very impressive what the Boston Celtics are doing. The, the real X factor is the Philadelphia 76ers. Will this team ever get over the hump? I mean, will Joel Embiid and, and James Harden, will this duo ever realize what they were supposed to be when, and, and the process that, that started so many years ago? I just say, you know, for them, it's, it's going to be where, you know, can they get past Boston? Can they get past uh, the Milwaukee Bucks? I don't know, but it's, it's going to be a wild ride in these playoffs here in 2023. I look at the Celtics and the Sixers. They played a weekend. I think it was Saturday that they played. And I think that game to me is kind of emblematic of that relationship uh, in the standings between the Sixers and the Celtics where it was just that close, but they came up short. And that's what it feels like it's going to be again this year for the Sixers in the East. Uh, B-Train, you, you pivot out to the West. Man, like, it, it feels more wide open. I mean, I know the Suns, with the addition of Kevin Durant, are now considered the favorites out of the West. I, you got to see him on the court. You got to see it, and I think it'll sink in more because right now it's still a conceptual thing, right? And uh, he's supposed to make his debut yeah. tomorrow when the, the Suns go to Charlotte, and it might sink in there. Suns sit in the fourth spot right now. Uh, you've got Sacramento and Memphis between Den uh, Phoenix and Denver. Denver's in the top spot. I I look at this Denver team and, you know, with the addition of Kevin Durant for the Suns, I don't think the Nuggets on paper are as good as the Suns. But you look at what this team has done quietly this year, what they've done kind of under the radar. Mm -hmm. And for them, something they haven't been able to do the last couple of years is stay healthy. And they've got all their guys ready mm -hmm. to go and they're ready. They're 28 and four at home. And you played in Denver. You know mm. there's something when teams come come to Denver, there's something mental about going to Colorado, playing in altitude. You know, you're talking whatever sport you're talking about, NFL, NBA, you're talking about the world's best athlete. So it shouldn't matter really at the margin, though. You're playing at, at, in, at the Mile High City. And that 28-4 at home for a reason. Mike, they are, and they're the deepest team in all of basketball. You think about their 12 on their roster, all 12 can come in and give you quality minutes. And I think the top half of the Phoenix Suns roster is better than the Denver Nuggets. But when you start looking at 5 through 12, I think that's where Denver really has an advantage over a lot of teams yeah. in, in the NBA. Now, granted, once you get to the playoffs, there's going to be uh, teams that – that shorten their rotation. They're not going to be quite as 
uh, deep. They're only going to go about seven, eight deep in their rotation. So a lot of those guys aren't going to get the minutes, but their, their, their top eight, I think, is on par with any top eight around the NBA. So uh, Denver is going to be a very tough out. I don't fear Memphis uh, and, and Sacramento. What a wonderful story. Mike Brown, runaway coach of the year for the NBA. I don't think that's even close, but I don't see yeah. there being an invincible team in front of Phoenix when you start talking about the top of the West. Yeah, you go back to the Nuggets real quick. I think they got eight eight players averaging double figures right now. And what they were missing, and you look at where they stumbled in the previous years, Michael Porter Jr. with the injury after he got the big contract. He's played 40-some-odd games this year coming back. Jamal Murray coming back. He's played over 40 games this year. So they're getting what they didn't have in the past, and that's like a full complement of healthy players. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how they go go down the stretch. Um, speaking of healthy players and and you know the NBA and that sort of thing, did you hear Charles Barkley express? Uh, and we all love Charles. Don't get me wrong, but he, he expressed his opinions on the whole concept of load management, saying you know you're making thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year, then you need to sit out, you know, to stay stay fresh. It's disrespectful to the fans. It's disrespectful to the game. And Charles Barkley, like I said, always willing to mm-hmm. share. He was on with Stephen A. Smith this week. Yeah, Mike, he, I think he speaks for a lot of fans out there. When when the average fan can only go to about one, maybe two games per year. And, and if you spend all that money and you get to go to the arena and, and your favorite player is a victim of load management, and that's not necessarily the player making that call. I think that's one thing that people need no. to understand. A lot of this is from the organization. It's not from the individual player. So they're trying to manage – a, a, a player's uh, time on the court as much as the player is. So I think a lot of fans direct their angst towards the players, but they really need to make sure that they understand that the, a lot of these decisions are being made from the top down, not from the bottom up. So you can be mad at the player all you want, but he's doing what he's been ordered to do by, you know, the, the front office of his respective team. So, uh, yeah, will there always be exceptions to the rules and outliers and, and guys sometimes taking days off because they just don't want to play? Sure. But I think the majority of the time now, Mike, you're starting to see there's a lot of organizations that understand that 82 games is a lot of wear and tear on these bodies and you're paying these guys a lot of money. You don't want them in the long haul to be missing in the playoffs. You want them to be around when it matters most because that's where you really start to – uh, separate yourselves, and, and that's where your legacies are really made uh, during the postseason. And uh, the, the organizations understand that, but it's just unfortunately that sometimes the fans lose if you catch the wrong night where one of your superstars uh, is being held out for that evening. And you know Chuck felt some quote was, wait a million dollars and you can't play basketball three or four days a week? Yeah, it's it's just tough. It's tough to have – those guys that tall being in, in regular coach seats, man, that's, that's a tough ask. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, they've progressed the way that they have and, and, you know, they can fly a little more comfortably these days. And with the money that's being poured into the NBA, uh, there's a lot to go around for all these different organizations. So I'm glad that they're able to take care of their players and, and get these customized type airplanes. So they're not so cramped as they have to travel all over the country to play. Hey, B-Train, B- we're heading down the stretch in college basketball, uh, getting ready for conference tournaments. And uh, 
huge game this weekend uh, in Arizona that our uh, our own Sean Crespin uh, was was at. Uh, he was front and center when Arizona got knocked off by ASU down in Tempe, and uh, we'll, we'll have him share those pictures with us afterwards. People grabbing, you know, his face off a of TV with the reaction. But you know, looking at at uh, you know some of the bracketologists that are out there. You know, Joe Lenardi took uh, ASU from completely out of the picture all the way back to now he's got them playing in one of the play-in games as the last team into the NCAA tournament as a result of their win over Arizona. So that means Sean gets a trip back to his favorite city in March Dayton, Ohio, if this holds true to form. But an absolutely huge weekend for the mm-hmm. Devils as they head over to Los Angeles and they've got games against UCLA, and then they wrap it up Saturday with USC. You know, and... You know, for me, I'm not a fan of Arizona necessarily, a fan of Arizona State, but it's better around here when you've got all your teams in the tournament. So, you know, for me, you know, let's 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 send Sean Crespin to Dayton, Ohio, so he can uh, do those play-in games. Mike, I'm all for it. I'm all for both programs, Arizona and Arizona State, getting the love and and getting an opportunity to play extra basketball and and playing in the the meaningful tournament. You know, not to poo poo the NIT or anything like that, but you, you want to you, you work all that that hard to to get to the NCAA tournament because you want to win the national championship and and yep. it just seems like if you if you don't get invited to that one, it doesn't feel quite as sweet at the end of the season and and yeah you can play extra games but you want to play the extra games on CBS and Turner and TBS and TNT you know where they they or for the, the biggest prize of them all. And, and I think for Arizona State, you know, you, you look at Bobby, Coach Bobby Hurley, he's, he's a guy that, that I think he's polarizing to some degree, but at the same time, his guys play hard for him. And, Mike, what a weekend it was as far as buzzer beaters all around college basketball, uh, men and women. There were so many buzzer beaters yeah. this past weekend. It was, it was exciting. Uh, you love to see these games come down to the very end and, and – you know, the last team with the ball, with the last shot, with the opportunity to win, that's exciting basketball. And and hopefully we can get as much of that as possible heading into these conference tournaments and into the NCAA tournament because that's what you tune in to see. You don't tune in to see the blowouts. You don't tune in to see teams getting run by 40-plus points. You want to see great competition between two teams that are fighting as hard as they can couple weeks away from the field of 68 being announced and uh, the national championship games this weekend, or this year, I should say, uh, first weekend of April in your hometown. They're playing the games at the stadium, NRG Stadium down there in beautiful Houston, Texas. You know, I might have to find a way to get myself down there. I got to go down this weekend to celebrate my mom's 75th. Happy birthday. Pre-birthday, mom. Love you. Uh, we're coming to Houston. We're, we're going to we're going to have some fun, and uh, we're going to make sure we bring in 75 the right way. There we go. All right, we'll step aside. You're listening to Train and Gross. Hey, don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Train and Gross. Always a good follow. You never know what you're going to see there. And uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Train and Gross. You know the music. That time of the podcast where we jump out and we do pump the brakes. 
take it away. All right, that's right. I'm going to give you guys some statements from around the world of sports. You tell me if you're pumping the brakes on it or if you're going to roll with those statements as we go through a little pop culture, a little sports, you name it. Um, Making headlines this week. Pitch timers in Major League Baseball causing all kinds of headlines, head-scratching moments as well. You had a D-backs Cubs game that started with a 1-1 count because both the pitcher and batter weren't ready to start the game. You got games ending on a clock rule as well. So pump the brakes or not. This is more of a headache than a fix for Major League Baseball. B-Train? I'm pumping the brakes. I think this is great for the Major League Baseball. They've said that the games on average have been 23 minutes less. And when you start doing the math, 23 minutes times 162, that's almost two days that you get back (laughs) of your day. And there's no time there's no action missed as far as uh, pitches and and hits and all those type of things it's just guys in the stepping out of the batter's box stepping off the pitcher's mound readjusting this adjusting that i I think it's going to be great for uh the newer fans the younger fans because now you don't have these three hour long games you maybe get a two and a half hour maybe 215 where there's it's quicker pace, and I think that's ultimately going to be great for Major League Baseball. Gross? I guess. I, I guess. I mean, go ahead and pump the brakes, but, man, it just feels like baseball is struggling to, to figure it out. So how, how, how do they stay relevant? You know, you got you got a pitch count. You got the batters. You got the, the ban on the shifts. I was listening to the game the other day on the radio and Greg Schulte came on and he, they're talking about the larger bases. He said, it looks somebody put pizza boxes out on the field. Like, uh, man, uh, yeah, I guess baseball needs saving. So you, you give them a little bit of latitude and see uh, see what happens. But, you know, you couple this with the, the rule changes they had in the past where you start the extra innings with men on base. And I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I honestly don't know. So I pumped the brakes, but I'm not all in on this by any stretch of the imagination. Go ahead, b I, I think a lot of purists are looking at this, and it's too much too soon. I think had this been spread out maybe over three or four years, a rule here, a rule there, but to have it all basically compacted in, in a, a two-year span, I think <laughs> the baseball purists are just – it's just a little too much for them. And so uh, you, you, they're, they're still going to be around and watch games, but they're going to be looking with a side eye because it's not quite the same game that they grew up with as far as players being able to do whatever it is that they want to do and take as much time as they need. Yeah, I just, you know, and, and I totally agree with everything you guys are saying in terms of, you know, hey, it's going to be nice to not have to deal with this, not deal with that, you know, guys fixing their hat, doing them whatever to take their time. But at the same time, I don't think this is going to fix anything. I, 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 you know, I, when it comes down to it, is the length of the game really the issue with the younger generation not watching Major League no. Baseball right now? And, and I don't, I don't no. think it is because all you have to do is look at a game. We all love college football. That game's never been longer. Hell, some of those games are pushing three hours, 45 minutes at times. And nobody's tuning out. So it's not necessarily the overall length of the game. I think it's the pace of the game. I think it's just it doesn't lend itself to the gimme everything right now generation that is is up and coming. And 
Uh, I don't. I just don't think this is the the fix that's going to help the the game. Is it is it something that could be positive? Sure, but I don't think it's going to change any way that people look at this game. Right? Am I out of line on that, Gross? No, I, I agree with you. You know, and I, I look at it. The year I was born, the the baseball games were on average about forty minutes faster than they are today. But that's not the reason that people aren't watching. To your point, Sean. Right. You know. So they can try it, and if this helps at the margin, that's great. But they they, they need to figure out how they engage that younger fan. And shaving fifteen here, shaving fifteen minutes there is not going to do it. On to a game we all uh, we all love: the National Football League. Uh, D. Marie Smith, you started to touch on this earlier, B Train. So I figured I'd put it in to pump the brakes. D. Marie Smith voices opinion that the combine about the combine, I should say, recently. And they need to do away with the annual pre-draft event. So pump the brakes or not, the NFL needs to heed the thoughts of the NFLPA president and do away with the NFL Combine. B-Train? I'm not pumping the brakes. They do need to do away with it. It's a meat market. It doesn't really serve the purpose that it used to serve. You know what these guys are. Uh, The NFL scouting combine is basically... All of the teams, general or front offices getting together and having a big party in Indianapolis. And what they do on a field in shorts and shirts is not any way indicative of the type of player that they are. I I hated every minute of the combine. It was a meat market. I walked around two to three days, basically half naked. Uh, I didn't feel human. And I think for... Uh, a, a team today if you haven't done the proper research and and vetted each guy with the resources that you have and the scouting departments that you have seeing them three days in the lucas oil center is not going to sway you one way or the other to take this guy and and, and think that this player individual is going to be the the difference in your team winning a championship you already know if he is or if he isn't Gross. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I don't have the basis of uh, information that the B train has about uh, you know what it's like to, to be part of that, but I don't disagree. If in 2023, if you haven't done your homework, if you haven't figured it out on players and you want to draft, then there's something wrong with your system, with your process. Yeah. The problem that we have here, though, fellas, as we all know, is it's not going away because. It, it's another thing for the NFL to market and put on the NFL network. You, you probably, if you log into the Worldwide Leader right now on their website, probably all kinds of stories about the combine. So, unfortunately, you know we know what makes the NFL go round. And until until they show that they're not making any money off the combine, then it's here to stay. I'm afraid, but I, I don't disagree with anything B Train said relative to what it actually does for the teams and for the players. But the NFL's making money off it. It's on the NFL network, so guess what? It's staying. Yeah, and listen, I completely agree with B Train as well. And it maybe served its purpose in the early '90s, '80s, and so forth when you know you didn't have the access we have now. I mean, I'm not even a scout or anything within the league, and I can pull up everything I want to see about a potential prospect on my phone, on my computer. I can watch all the film, right? I mean, it's all at my fingertips. So just imagine what these teams have. They don't necessarily need them on the field. Where I do somewhat understand what the teams are doing with the combine is the medical side of things. Instead of having to go to every single team and see every single doctor and have them do their own 
MRI on maybe a knee issue you had and this and that. They can get it all done at one centralized location because the financial commitment that they're making to these these players, you know, is substantial. So they're going to want their representatives to take a look at the at the medical side of things. But um, yeah, I mean, to, to do the underwear Olympics and have them, you know, 350 pound linemen running the 40 makes no sense. None. Zero. At all. To me, the thing that I look at is all of these different things that they have them do, what does that translate to being a great player? Yeah. Running a 40-yard dash does not translate to being a great player. Running a cone drill does not translate to being a great player. How many times you can bench press 225 has nothing to do with you being a great player. Either you're a great player because of what you do on the field when it matters most, or you're not. And we've seen too many times where teams get enamored with this guy that has trained for the last two months to go and blow up that workout only to find out that uh, they really were who they thought they were before that scouting combine because if you'd watched the film you would have saw that he did the same things that he's doing now right yeah i mean listen if a defensive tackle's running 40 yards something really bad happened you know so <laughs> it, 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 it something something bad happened you, you, you ain't tracking anybody down um arizona cardinals there were rumors floating around that DeAndre Hopkins might be looking at greener grass away from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he's got two more years left in his contract, 23 and 24. The Cardinals could save $8 million on the cap with a pre-June 1 trade and $19 million on the cap with a post-June 1 trade. So pump the brakes or not. You got uncertainty at the quarterback position for at least half the year next year. You got a new coaching staff starting things from the ground up, new player personnel development, the whole thing. So pump the brakes or not, if the phone rings on DeAndre Hopkins, you're entertaining the idea of moving him. I'm not pumping the brakes. I think you have to if you're smart about it. One, you know DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be happy in a situation where he's got a backup quarterback or a guy that's not Kyler Murray throwing him the ball and he's not getting his usual numbers and he's not able to make the impact that he normally makes. We saw DeAndre Hopkins upset with Kyler Murray throwing him the football so you can only imagine a guy of his caliber without him and uh, you want to give him an opportunity to maybe go somewhere and 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 have an opportunity to to really win because you just don't see the cardinals doing much this year maybe the next two years they they they've got a high draft pick hopefully they do the right thing and take will anderson but i don't see them leapfrogging the San Francisco 49ers or the Los Angeles Rams or even the, the Seattle Seahawks right now and being the top of the NFC West. Gross. Yeah. Now, if that phone rings, you got to answer. You got to answer it. You know, this team needs more than anything else, even more than the cap relief that you might realize by moving DeAndre Hopkins is 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 draft capital to rebuild this team where the last general manager kind of uh, was 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 negligent. Look, you know, I, I don't feel bad for DeAndre Hopkins if he ends up being here. He got what he wanted out of the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Kahn, where he got that contract extension. His uh, his no no trade clause was voided as a result of the suspension, so that gives Cardinal uh, the Cardinals a little bit of flexibility uh, that maybe they wouldn't have had previously, where they don't need the player to sign off on any deal. Um, so you, if that phone rings, though, Sean, to answer your question, you answer it. You answer it, and you make the best possible deal 
for your team. DeAndre Hopkins going on 31 years of age at this point. I don't know what that means in terms of return. I don't think it's going to be um, first rounder by any stretch of the imagination at this point of his career. But if you can pick up something to help your team in the long run, I think you do it. Also at the Combine, what we get is the uh, the initial media availability for the for the new year, if you will, from all the GMs and coaches. And Brian Gutekunz from the Green Bay Packers was obviously asked about Aaron Rodgers. And he said, uh, quote, he's a great player, but until we have the conversations, I think all options are on the table. We need to have those conversations. We want what's best for the Green Bay Packers. We want what's best for him. So we'll get that coming up. He went on when asked about Jordan Love to say, I think he's ready to play, and I think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. So you take those comments, you take Aaron Rodgers' comments in recent weeks, pump the brakes or not, it's finally time for both those parties to go their separate ways. Pump the brakes. Here's the reason. If you were that fed up, you would have already made a move. There was nothing stopping them from moving on from Aaron Rodgers after the season. They've been out of the play. They've been, they haven't played a game in six weeks. So what are you waiting on? You're waiting on the opportunity to play football with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You can tell me all you want about Jordan Love and he's ready to take that next step. If you have to choose between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, you're taking Aaron Rodgers. I don't care how much better Jordan Love has progressed. Aaron Rodgers still gives you the best chance to win, period. Gross. Yeah, I, I agree with with the uh, the first part of that uh, com- comment about Aaron Rodgers, but the, the, the general man saying that Jordan Love is ready to go. If he was ready to go, B-Train's right. This, this would be a done deal already. So, uh, you know, I don't buy that. Well, technically, technically, too, technically but- they can't make a trade until the new year in mid-March. So there is that. All right. Well, then it then it'd be teed up and ready to go. <laughs> but look, um, I, I don't know. The thing with Aaron Rodgers, like you know, that you can see where you know this this he's getting old. What with Father Time is undefeated, isn't that yep. little saying? And then yep. this other stuff that you're dealing with, like this darkness retreat, like right, on, like. I just the the, the the swirl around Aaron Rodgers is getting to be too much for me. Like mm-hmm. he, he he let him go. He's got to move on. So you're ready to move on if you're the Green Bay Packers. I'm I mean you're in you're in a division where if if you don't need to have MVP quality quarterback play no. to compete in that division right now, right? The Bears are are the Bears. The Lions are. You know, they, they, they surprised a lot of people this year, offensively especially, but I think you're still roster head-to-toe, even with Jordan Love, probably a team that's going to compete in the North. The overall, NF, the overall NFC isn't exactly a juggernaut. The AFC still has the majority of the dominant teams, dominant yeah. quarterback play. So if you're going to move on, this might be the time. Like you mentioned, fa- you know, Father Time creeping up on Aaron Rodgers. You may want to get something for him while you can and not have a Raiders situation where you lose a starting quarterback for literally nothing. Uh, so who knows? We'll see what happens here in the coming weeks. Um, but I'm sure there'll be more talk coming out of the combine. All right. We like to do a little pop culture. Sometimes I throw these out there just to let folks know that this is available to you in your daily life. Okay? So I'm going to do that with two things here. You guys tell me if you're pumping the brakes on this or if you're willing to try it. Not saying you're going to love it, but if you're willing to try it. Apparently, Wendy's is releasing single-serve cans of their world-famous chili. Pump the brakes or not, 
you would pick up a can no. from the grocery store and try the the mass release of Wendy's single serve chili. B train. Pump the brakes. You can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> what is Wendy's known for? Uh, burgers, but people love their, their chili. Burgers. Yeah. Says here though. Says here I'm that I'm not buying something that you're not known for. Well, it says here though that that Wendy's apparently makes their chili with leftover hamburger meat, and people love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with B train on this one. I'm I'm pumping the brakes on this as well. I'm I'm pumping. Not even trying no, it. Not a, not a single can. Nothing. No. no? All right. If, so that maybe if they were doing maybe if they were doing single serve frosties like I could buy and bring Ooh. home, but but definitely not definitely not the chili. Yeah, I'm in on the frosty. I'm in on the Water. frosty. All right. How about this one then? Because there's another one. Apparently, apparently Red Lobster also launching a grocery store type item and they're launching the first ever line of frozen entrees from red lobster that's a little bit of a step up from from wendy's right no knock on wendy's but it is uh, apparently the options even include their cheddar bay biscuit shrimp huh huh we trying red lobster pump the brakes or not <laughs> <laughs> I don't need gross. I'll just go right to you on this one because you know the, those watching the the broadcast can see B Train's face. That's a no for him. I, I'm pumping the brakes as well. I'm pumping the brakes again. I can't even tell you the last time I was in a red Me been, either. But you know, frozen food section. You been, walk by, maybe you grab one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. That's a that's a no for me, dog. I'm, I'm <laughs> no pump the brakes. All right. Pump the brakes. All right. I thought, but listen. That's just, hey. a, that's just a public service announcement. For those that do love the Wendy's chili, it's going to be available at a grocery store near you. Same with uh, Red Lobster, all right? So there you go. That's just a public service announcement during Pump the Brakes today here on Training Gross. Hey, be- before we do before we do dad jokes, mm-hmm. uh, I'll do my own Pump the Brakes. Like, how about how about this? We're, we're approaching the 100th episode of Training Gross, the yep. podcast. I think maybe the, the three of us ought to do what, what Aaron Rodgers did. And we ought to go on a four-day darkness retreat and 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 commune and connect and, and see if we can get it. Is that a no? We're not going to go do a darkness retreat together? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a no. That's going to be a no for me. Yeah. No. Give, me, give it to him one more time for me. I'm going to – I'm going to – yeah. You're on your own on that one, Gross, which I think is the point of it. I think you're, the point is to go into that on your own and be in the darkness and be with one with oneself so you're on your own on that one but i think that's the whole I point see what you, i see what you did there yeah I see, I see what you did there i see what you did there sean mm-hmm. i see what you did there all right all right <laughs> that's the whole point just go go be by yourself uh all right so i see the glasses are on uh b train so even though we are doing this show remotely today um b train's got the uh the glasses on it's time for our famous world famous b train dad joke of the week now there is a grading system for this no matter what he's gonna hear one of these all right, it's a quality dad joke. You're gonna hear the laughter. All right. If it's above and beyond, we're gonna tell all your friends. You get the standing ovation. Gross has another name for it. If you've been listening to recent episodes, uh, but there is that chance that it doesn't land, and the sound effect that you just heard can be the uh, the official grade for B Train's dad joke. There's always that possibility. So B Train, with nothing further to do, take it away. Lay it on us today. All right, here we go. <clears throat> what do you call a lady with one leg? 
What do you call a lady with one leg? Hmm. Eileen. <laughs> That's a standing O because I will be repeating that one. Gross? Oh, I like good. it. Good job. I don't know. Your face says differently. I like it. Which button are you pushing realistically? No, no, I like it. Okay, good. All right, just check. <laughs> no, no. I'm all, yeah, it's all good. That's all good. I love it. Ended on a strong, on a strong dad joke this week. Hey, next week, episode 99, we're getting up to number 100 of Training Gross. Uh, you know, good things continue. We're going to step aside, wrap it up. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Training Gross, for my partner, B-Train, for Sean Cressman. We'll see you next time on Training Gross. We're high love.